Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Welcome into another episode of the Socastic.com MMA Strategy Shows. Here to get you ready for Saturday's UFC San Diego. This will be the first of three straight events where the UFC will be fighting in front of fans. This week is San Diego. Next week, Salt Lake City. And then two weeks after that, they will be in Paris, France. And we're here to break this one down for you. Of course, uh, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Talk about some of those great props Prize Picks has over at prizepicks.com. We'll talk about those throughout the show. Plus, got a ton of goodies to talk about with you here. And of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How you doing, bro? Afternoon, afternoon. What's going on? Oh, man, I'm just, you know, just hanging out, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I got, got a busy afternoon, but uh, you know, I was up bright and early this morning, kind of cranking along, getting some getting some stuff done, as they say. Nice, nice. And uh we have another week. Interesting card. Um, it's all right. You know, it's all right. I, I, I'm hoping for better cards coming, but, um, you know, some interesting matchups and some fighters that I really like to watch. So I'm cool with it. I would have thought if you would not have told me this cards in San Diego, I would have thought it's an apex show, but something yeah. to note, it is the big 30 foot cage on Saturday, not the 25 footer John Anik. Talk about that on his show last week. Of course, uh, line those questions up in chat. Do want to mention a question we got a little before the show from one of our Sarcastic Plus members, and it was asking us to go over Fancy Cruncher on the show. Says, do you set your RAM is differently based on slate size? Do you run different crunches with different randomness? What groups do you set and why? How many uniques do you want per lineup? Anything along those lines would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I'll start off with the uniques per lineup. Generally, for me, it's two uniques per lineup. I don't know if you're any different than me on that. It's got to be at least two because um, then you're just going to basically have uh, a ton of lineups that are extremely similar with little one-offs. Um, and that's okay as long as you set your groups correctly. But I do think two to three is fine, especially how I'm building my uh, – my crunches, I'll crunch a lot with, with three uniques. Um, and then I will combine the crunches and then do, do some more with just two as well. And I'll say this, like when I'm doing dummy crunches, like basically what I'll, I'll probably most more times what I'll do is I'll say two uniques, I'll do a 20% randomness. And then I may tell the crunch 500 lineups just because I just want to see what it, it presents to me as you know, what I would call a dummy crunch before, I'm kind of going in there and, you know, setting groups. I, I will say this in terms of I'm not as aggressive on setting groups in MMA as I am, say, in NASCAR. In NASCAR, I'm very aggressive with setting groups, you know, like where I'm wanting dominators and, and I'm wanting, you know, setting about, hey, don't give me the crappy drivers, those punt plays or, you know, PD upside. In MMA, there may be some weeks where, like, you know, say there's three or four fights and I'm just like, man, these, these are pivotal fights that I may set up a group. Let's just say, let's say there's six fires in that group. I might tell Cruncher to give me at least two of the six. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm depending on groups a lot. Um, I like to look at the, the matchups that I think have optimal implications. So um, whether I think it's going to be quick finishes, that it could be volatile matchups. And a lot of my lineups could have single digit performers, but I do think that, uh, you know, crunching for upside is the best instead of trying to crunch for median projections. So um, I really like groups personally. That, that's kind of how I construct lineups. And uh, you already know, a lot of times I like to plant my flag and get really, really aggressive. And 
I'll do some lineups where I'm locking one person in if I'm extremely confident, but uh, more often than not, it works out. And then on the weeks that it doesn't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. So I'm okay with it just based on how I like to play, but uh, I, I would definitely recommend incorporating groups for MMA. And overall, in terms of randomness, it really doesn't change based on slate size. You know, it, it, it for me, it, it may change more on the type mm-hmm. of GPP that I'm entering. You know, am I entering a 150 max? Am I entering a 20 max? Am I entering a three max? You know, single entry. Uh, you know, for me, when it comes to like single entry and, you know, like head to heads, cash lineups, I pretty much build all those lineups just by hand where I'm using Cruncher to get into, say, you know, 20 max and 150 maxes. But, um, I mean, I, I think we all kind of have our own formula. I think it's a matter of finding out what formula you believe works best for you in terms of how you like to develop your lineups. Yeah, I used to be a single entry guy. Uh, I mean, that's basically what I used to do, I, or I would put single bullets or a couple bullets into the big 150s. And the more educated I became with uh, how the pros are, are, you know, constructing their lineups, I realized that it's very difficult. You know what I mean? It's extremely difficult mm-hmm. to just have that one perfect lineup that's going to take you to the promised land. So um i i nowadays i like to play 150 maxes a lot more than i used to and i understand if you guys just want to stick to the single entries that's how it started with me and that's where i felt like that was my sweet spot for a while i kind of got away from that uh, especially because now i want to you know get exposure to certain fights and you know I, I definitely think that playing in a 150 max you're not so dependent on just predicting the fights as it is mm-hmm. as it comes down to just having the correct exposure to the certain fighters yeah, I mean, for me in MMA, it's about you know getting the correct exposure to certain fighters. I mean, you know, you see it on every slate. You, you look at a slate like last week, Brian Battle was a guy that you need to have exposure to with yeah. him going out there and getting a knockout win uh, in, in 44 seconds. Or maybe it's a week where you maybe think that there's going to be a fire that maybe goes out there and just change a bunch of takedowns where their opponents can be able to get up. I don't know. Maybe you think that's Luby Godinez this week. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in here for the stochastic.com MMA strategy show. And uh, be sure to show your support for us by smashing that thumbs up button. It truly does help us a lot as well. Subscribe to Stochastic right here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. And if you're not currently a Stochastic Plus member and you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall, today's free premium data and tools is MLB player projections. And, of course, also, if you haven't heard, we we do offer MLB Night Slates on DraftKings. is also 100% free for the remainder of the season, which gives you a great chance to give our tools a shot before purchasing. Just click the DK Night Owl link below to check out tonight's tools and data. Of course, appreciate everyone tuned in here. Well, let's get right into this, Pete. Main event, Bantamweight matchup, Marlon Vera taking on Dominic Cruz. As we do this show, FanDuel salaries did not come out. I logged on the FanDuel a moment ago, and salaries still were not there, but they come out during the show. We'll we'll talk about them a little bit. Marlon Vera, 8,500 over on DraftKings, 7,500 for Dominic Cruz. Uh, you know, we talked about this overall on Takedown City this week. And one of the questions I like in the chat, and I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show or I know I talked about my show yesterday, is the fact of I do think my thought process would be a little different if this was a three-round fight as opposed to a five-round fight. I think in a three-round fight, I would I would give more of an edge to Dominic Cruz because because Marlon Vera is a little bit of a slow starter. I, I do think that the you know the lines on the betting side, I think it's a little wide, but on the DraftKings side of the equation, Pete. I love the value here at 8,500 in Cheeto Vera. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in this fight and it's going to have a lot of my ownership just because of the salary of both fighters, right? We have five rounds to work with. We have Marlon Vera sitting there at 8,500 Dominic Cruz sitting there at 7,700 Marlon Vera, historically a slow starter. And that being a slow starter could allow Dominic Cruz to bank one, two, maybe even three rounds, um, especially if he's able to incorporate his wrestling and, Marlon Vera has shown at times to have questionable takedown defense. I do think that he has developed since then. And, um, you know, Dominic Cruz isn't in his prime anymore. And it kind of seems like Marlon Vera is hitting his hitting his stride. So I really like Marlon Vera here mid-price at 8,500. I just think it's a long time for Dominic Cruz to avoid a big shot. And he has been dropped more so of late than throughout his entire career. I mean, he built a career on evading a ton of shots and just making people miss and embarrassing them. Um, He's been clipped. And when he's been clipped, he's been dropped. 
Now, the activity of Dominic Cruz could be an issue here, and it could come down to volume versus damage. If it does go the distance, I don't foresee it does, but I understand if you want to think of Dominic Cruz as one of the best underdogs on the slate because, you know, he made a career off of going the distance and just making, you know, a, a you know, having a complete performance. And a lot of his, his performances tend to go to the distance and tend to be decisions. So uh, I'm okay with getting to some Dominic Cruz. I think it's going to be competitive. Um, my only issue with Marlon Vera at 8,500 is if, say he has a slow start and he gets a third, fourth or fifth round stoppage. And, uh, you know, he's not necessarily a part of the optimal lineup because he's in the mid eighties, low nineties with performance, but it's all relative to the slate and all dependent on the rest of the fights. I'm going to be getting exposure to Marlon Vera and I'm picking him to beat Dominic Cruz uh, this weekend. Looking over the prize pick side of the equations, 100 and a half significant strikes landed for Marlon Vera is his number, 107 and a half. Uh, fancy score over there. You know, if this thing goes five rounds with his volume, you would expect Marlon to probably eclipse that number. But the one thing is, Dom Cruz has always been a guy that, even though he's been dropped in his past couple of fights, he is a guy that he, his defense has always been there for as to elude shots. Yeah, I mean, but but I tell you what, like timing and having good reaction time when you're younger is different than when you are, you know, at the latter parts of your career. And I, I think that he has missed a step in, in a, you know, a little bit. Um, and that's why I'm picking Marlon Vera. If anybody wants to, you know, make a case for Dominic Cruz to survive, he's shown that he can have a complete 25 minute performance in the past. Um, I do think that 25 minutes is a very long time to avoid the power of Marlon Vera. And, uh, you know, the wrestling upside for Cruz 7,700 is great, but you know, Vera's got some sneaky submissions as well. So uh, it's, it's a Vera pick for me. And I would say on the cash side of the equation, if you're looking for kind of a, a cheaper cash play to rack up points, I don't think Dominic Cruz is where I would go. There's some other 7,000 options that intrigue me a little bit more to get to. If you're looking to save a little money in terms of the cash aspect of it. let's move over to the co-main event. We got David Onama taking on Nate Landwehr, 8,600 for David Onama, 7,600 for Nate Landwehr, uh, Nate Landwehr, uh, two and two in the UFC. Of course, David Onama is two and one in the UFC. We saw David a month ago against Garrett Armfield, uh, was not the, the banner performance that I think we expected to see out of him. James Krause as head coach after that fight was over, did indicate that there were some issues during that camp uh, in terms of the weight cut. Of course, uh, you know he had lost the fight, then he was off the card, then he was back on the card, so they had a tough weight cut, and uh, maybe that did play a little bit into his performance. Yeah, um, I tell you what, I really like uh, I really like David Onama as far as a um, an upside standpoint, mm -hmm. like in the in the division, and I do think that he presents unique skills in all areas. So dangerous striker, um, good wrestler. The last performance against Garrett Armfield is a little bit of a red flag, but I, I can, you know, I can understand having a poor weight cut and a poor performance. It's just, I expected more. I expected more from him. And um, I, I don't know that that's why, like, I'm not, I really like David Onama here at 8,600, but at the same time, like, I think that, you know, Nate Lambert with the correct game plan, who has a, uh, you know, a great wealth of experience could put together something. I just don't trust Nate Lambert to, you know, I don't trust his durability. Um, you know, he, he's been knocked out against Herbert Burns and Julian Arosa. I think David Onama on paper should be able to knock out Nate Lambert. But if Nate's able to press him and uh, smother him a little bit, incorporate some takedowns, we could see this become a very, very competitive featherweight bout. I like David Onama mid-price at 8,600, though I do. It's just that last performance against uh, Garrett Armfield makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit. And I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to cross off Nate Landwehr just because of what he has done and how many times he can come back, you know, from the jaws of defeat and, and end up putting together a performance. And uh, not every fighter is different. Not every fighter is the same when they're getting backed up. And if David Onama is getting pressed backwards, I just want, I wonder how he's going to be, but it's a David Onama pick at 8,600 for me. And should note that first fight in 10 months for Nate Landwehr last fight was that win 
there against uh against Klein, which has aged very beautifully for him. Uh, you know, he fought a lot of tough competition leading into the UFC. Uh, David Onama, uh, look, when you talk to James Krause, he, he raves about David Onama. It's a guy that he's worked with for a long time. Let's move over to our next matchup. Will be a female matchup between Jasmine and Jasmine. Eighty-seven hundred for Jasmine, seventy-five hundred for Jasmine. Uh, uh, Jasmine, her first fight in exactly one year when she steps into the cage on Saturday. Saturday, her last fight coming back in Combate Global. She was initially scheduled to meet Isatella Nunez on this fight card, and five of her eight victories are via first-round stoppage. And for Jasmine on the other side, uh, it's her UFC debut. She's coming off win back in April at Cage FS. She has won seven straight after she started her pro run six and four. Bro, I got to tell you, I don't know who the hell you're talking about, talking about when you're saying Jasmine, Yasmine. I don't know. I know him by Lucindo and Jaragui. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Yasmin Jaragui. I, I think that she's going to get it done this weekend. Extremely low level fight. Um, not a fight that I would be prioritizing as far as parlays. And it's a fight where you have to be very careful because the, the fight film is pretty limited um, on Lucindo. What I have seen from Yasmin Jaragui is that she has excellent boxing, um, very good boxing, and good pace. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Pace pressure in boxing is something I think could break a lot of women within this division. Um, Lucindo really likes to get takedowns and, uh, you know, get top position. But I think that the defensive skills of Yasmin Jaragui at 8,700 is going to be enough for her to, uh, to keep it on the feet and punish her. Now, there's just a, an interesting stat I kind of wanted to bring up, and uh, I shared this with you yesterday, and you and I were kind of going back and forth. It's just how often the 8,700 fighter has been in the optimal lineup. Now, obviously, you know, it's completely slight dependent, card dependent, and you can't just look at salaries all the time to determine if they're going to enter your lineup or whatnot. But since the start of May, the $8,700 fighter has been in the optimal lineup 54% of the time. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a fact of like, you know, it's just weird. It, it seems to be a sweet spot for, you know, optimal lineup. So it's just something I wanted to put out there and I'm definitely going to be in agreement with it at uh, 8,700 for Yasmin Jargui. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that when people are trying to get away from those 9,000 options and we kind of talk about that, that mid eight K range of potentially being a little bit of a sweet spot to find some of these fires in there. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, one of the things of, uh, you know, Yasmin with her, this being her first fight in over a year, that's always kind of a concern to me, Pete. I mean, you know, obviously fighters are going to deal with that different there and Lucindo on the other side, you, you know, fellow UFC debut, she got, you know, didn't get off to the, the greatest of starts in her career, but she's turned things around there. So we'll see what happens with there. Next up, we got a matchup at 205 pounds. Devin Clark, a underdog here at 7,800. Uh, Azamat at 8,400. Azamat, undefeated fighter at 11 and 0, won his UFC debut with a third round stoppage victory. And uh, Devin Clark, second training camp now at Team Elevation after being at Jackson Wink for a long time and i know yesterday he kind of talked about uh you know really he feels like he's finding his groove here at team elevation yeah i mean i'm interested in, the, in this matchup for sure because uh Merzakhanov's a guy where i was okay with fading him a little bit um with tefan and chukwe and man that i feel smart until uh azamat Merzakhanov landed that vicious flying knee and you know i thought that his cardio was questionable um he's super super patient and sometimes it seems like he was okay with, he, he was on his way to losing that fight, right? It seemed like he was just coasting to a decision loss until that one big, big knee. So and I, it completely threw me off. And I was like, all right. Um, the issue with Devin Clark is obviously his durability. Uh, I do think that for the division, he has a decent motor. Um, everybody within this division is going to tire more often than not. But the fact that he's big, 
Um, he's been in there against some, some talented fighters and that durability hasn't really reared its ugly head. I mean, yes, he was submitted against Anthony Smith, but the Ian Kutalaba fight was something I was like, yeah, Devin Clark's getting finished. And he didn't, he got ragdolled, but he didn't get finished. So the fact that he picked up a TKO win over William Knight, um, pretty undersized fighter for the division, um, and also lasted against Alonzo Menafield is like, all right, maybe, maybe Devin Clark has improved and developed over the years. And uh, it's a spot where the 7,800 fighter, just, just like the 8,700 fighter, finds its way into the optimal lineup since May it's been in the optimal lineup 54% of the time. So that's, that's tied for the $8,700 fighter. So I just find it interesting. I'm not as confident in Devin Clark. I'm, I'm going to be picking him to win just because I've seen more of him at the UFC level. And I didn't really like the, the cardio of Azamat Merzakhanov, but it's a Devin Clark decision or it's an Azamat KO in round one. That's kind of how I see this going. So this is a fight where, the collective optimal percentage is pretty high and I'm going to be targeting it and making it a priority over on prize picks. The fight time on this one's 10 minutes. I like the over. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you like Devin Clark and I do too. So that makes sense. Um, I am still worried about Azamat's just versatility of mm-hmm. being able to strike, having good submission skills, decent wrestling. I don't think he can wrestle for long periods of time with Devin Clark, but I think that he can, you know, defend enough to force him on the feet. So we shall see. Of course, today is the uh, return of the NFL preseason. I mean, it officially came back a couple of days ago, but gets into full swing here tonight. And we are here. We've got you covered for preseason DFS projections as we're giving them to you for only $5 for a limited time. So grab them now. You can find them in a link to claim your $5 preseason projections in description below or use promo code TUA. At checkout, of course, uh, today at 6 p.m. Eastern time, we've got uh, NFL preseason live before a lot to get you ready for tonight's preseason action. And, of course, with the preseason here, I will not be here on Saturday. Uh, Greg will be filling in, me, in for me for Live 4 Lock. Uh, you, you Basically, you don't have me on Live 4 Lock for the next couple of weeks uh, with the preseason. But uh, before I head to the stadium on Saturday, I will do some office hours for our premium uh, members. So uh, you got any questions on Saturday morning, I'm probably going to hop in there probably around, say, 11 o'clock uh, East Coast time on Saturday morning, do some office hours to answer any questions you have there. But, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be at the stadium 2.30, Pete, and it'll probably be about 100 degrees outside. It'll be Woo, nice and hot. <laughs> nice, nice. I know you're excited for the season, and uh, I've been I've been starting my my NFL research, so I can't wait. I was watching Hard Knocks this morning. You know, the the, the best part may be Coach Glenn and Coach Staley trash talking each other as they're calling plays. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't watched it. You know what's crazy is I'm I've always lacked with the Hard Knocks, which is kind of sad. Yeah, Staley's on offense. On defense is uh, Glenn, and they are just, I mean, just trash-talking each other the whole time. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, listen, I'll tell you what. Some of the best some of the best moments in sports is when you can just trash-talk your teammates and, you know, have that little competitive back and forth. That's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, think of Bobby Green. <laughs> Bobby Green loves to sit there and trash-talk his opponent there. Uh, let's move over to the next matchup. I, I don't know really how much we have to really go in di- in dive deep in this one since we talked about this matchup last week. Airline Lipsky and Priscilla oh, Ketchaware, 8,700 for Lipsky, 7,500 for Priscilla Ketchaware. Of course, we all know what happened last week. Lipsky missed weight, ultimately pulled from the fight on fight day. Now the fight's happening here. It's at 135 pounds, not 125 pounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think there's too much we can really add on this one, but uh, I'm scared to say this, but Priscilla Ketchaware is kind of someone that I feel like in single builds will be someone that will be a natural click for me. Yeah, so um, as far as contrarian pick, I, I think Ariana Lipsky is going to be an extremely contrarian pick and mm-hmm. probably a leverage spot because – all the things negatively going on with her, um, especially if if the audience pays attention and everybody that's playing MMA DFS, we'll have to see how the ownership comes out. But um, it's really hard for me to want to back Ariana Lipsky. Like when it, when it comes out that that you had COVID and then you um, you know you, you've been having some issues within camp and then you miss weight. I I don't know, man. Like when when your fight gets pulled from the card and now they just push it back one week, it's really hard for me to want to back you 
um, other than just a salary play and, and to get different. So I'm actually flipping. I, I liked Ariane Lipsky last week and I don't like her anymore. I, I don't, I'm going to go with Priscilla Cachoeira, something I really didn't think that I would, you know, say too often inside the UFC because of her defensive, like just lack of skill. Like she really just gets hit way too often in most of her fights. She doesn't respect her opponent's power and she walks them down and that leads to her getting, you know, hit like a punching bag. And then when that happens, she is either going to weather the storm and then start firing back in route to picking up a TKO KO win, or she's just going to lose a, a dominant decision. So Ariana Lipsky could easily take her down or work to, towards taking her down and expose the big, big Achilles heel of Priscilla Cachoeira's game. And that's her, you know, submission defense. I don't foresee that happening. I think Priscilla is going to bully her in the cage and uh, she's going to be my favorite underdog on the entire slate, truthfully. And I, I hate saying that, but in women's MMA where underdogs hit a little bit more often than, than some other divisions, it just, it seems like a no brainer. I got to go with Priscilla Cachoeira. Next up, we've got Bruno Silva taking on Gerald Mershart. Bruno Silva, 9,000. GM3, he is 7,200. Mentioned about this on Takedown City. Uh, the big note to take away with Gerald Mershart leading into this fight camp is the fact that he has been training down at Killcliffe FC, formerly known as Sanford MMA. Uh, a long time you know, training uh, at Rufus Sport. Also, he's done some work there in Chicago uh, with, with uh, Bilal Muhammad to get ready, but he has been down in South Florida this one. But uh, anyone who's watched Takedown City already, I think they already know, Pete, how you feel. Yeah, I I really like Bruno Silva. I just do. Um, I, I think that this is a spot where he's going to knock out Gerald Mearshart. Now, does it happen in round one? That's where having some ownership on these other 9,000 fighters could actually work out because I don't know if it comes in round one. I think it happens. Just because of Gerald Mearshart's, um, his striking level is not near um, Bruno Silva at all. He needs to incorporate takedowns desperately. And I, I think that from a submission standpoint, Mearshart's always live to pull off a submission finish. I just don't see it happening. I, I just really don't. I, I think that uh, Bruno Silva is one of the safest plays on the slate. And you don't hear me say the word safe too often. I do think that uh, Mahmoud Muradov was supposed to walk right through Gerald Mearshart and Mearshart's toughness proved otherwise. And he was able to, you know, weather the storm and come back in that fight. I think the UFC, you know, they were surprised by that. And there's no way that I'm not picking Bruno Silva in the spot. He's going to be one of my most exposed um, high-priced fighters at 9,000. Seems like the slate and uh, all the viewers agree with me and you because he's going to come with some hefty ownership. But I think it's warranted. My only issue is, does it come in round two, not in round one? maybe even round three, and that's what's going to leave him on the outside of the optimal lineup. So I'm not going to try to be a fortune teller here. I'm just going to say that I, I think that he's an extremely strong play. Yeah, you know, right now we got him projected at 35% ownership over on DraftKings. So, I mean, he's, you know, I, I think a good play. I mean, the question I think really becomes is that six and a half uh, fight time number of a prize picks, I think becomes an interesting play over there, whether or not you think you can get the uh, the stoppage comes mm -hmm. in round one. Of course, uh, speaking of prize picks, they are the sponsor of the Stochastic.com MMA strategy show. They got their prop-based contests over there. And, of course, uh, when you sign up, use that promo code Osmo. They got instant first match deposit of up to $100. And, Pete, uh, one of the props that stuck out to me is a prop that I already kind of mentioned here. I'm, I like the over 10-minute fight time on Azamat taking on Clark there. The other fight time I like is the under 10 minutes on Josh Quinlan. Yeah, I like that one. I, I do like that one. Um the Devin Clark one is tough just because you're really banking on his durability. I think he's shown, uh, you know, rewind four years. I would say, no, I don't agree with you. But from what we've seen, I think I might have to agree with you on both of those. You know, there, there wasn't a ton of props as we sit here on Thursday that stuck mm -hmm. out to me. There's some other ones that us, I'm monitoring. I want to see where they kind of go here. Like one of those is the fight time on Ode Osborne and Tyson Nam at 10 minutes. Right now, that's a lean to the over for me. I think there's a lot of people that might be looking at the under because of their two fighting styles. But right now, and I feel like I can get a better number than 10 
by the time Saturday gets here. So mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't go there now. Um, you know, some other ones that potentially I would say, you know, I want to pay, where does the loopy Godinez takedown prop go? Currently that's sitting at three. That's, that's a big number, but she could score a good amount of takedowns. Um, Ariana Lipsky at 63 and a half significant strikes. If that thing goes 15 minutes, I think that's an overplay. Um, you know, Priscilla Catchware is not exactly very good at blocking punches. Yeah, I mean, she's not, but I, I'm telling you, I, Look, I when you're when your strikes absorbed per minute is seven, that's not good, bro. That's not yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the fights just kind of just have that as an overblown stat, but I do understand. And um, hmm, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect from Lipsky with all these red flags surrounding her. I'm just obviously picking Priscilla Cachoeira. So I'm probably going to be light on any Lipsky prop. Yeah. I mean, I, it, this is one, it's just one of those weeks. Sometimes there's on a Thursday, I sit there and yeah. say, man, there's a, a ton of juicy props. I love over prize picks. And this is just one of those weeks. I kind of want to see how these, how these numbers play out o- over the next couple of days before, but definitely the, the under 10 minutes on Josh Quinlan uh, is the one that sticks out to me the most. Let's move over to our next matchup. It's a female matchup between Angela Hill and Lupe Godinez. It's at 120 pounds here. Lupe Godinez is 9,000. Angela Hill is 7,000. Obviously, we know with Loopy what she's able to do with her takedowns. Uh, you know, Angela Hill, veteran of the game. Um, I do wonder, you know, kind of are we starting to maybe get to the, the end of the road of Angela Hill in, in the UFC? Um, I, I think it's it's more of a question for me in terms of looking at it from a GPP perspective, Pete, is the takedown aspect of Loopy Godinez. Is this one of the things where she could chain wrestle throughout this fight? Yeah, I mean, that's if if you're backing loopy, you're expecting her to land multiple takedowns because if she's going to be on the feet, I think she can compete. She can compete with Angela Hill, but I don't think it's her best path to victory clearly. Um, and I think that she's at risk of losing the fight. The longer it's on the, on the feet and at distance, that's where Angela Hill does great work. And I do think that she's somewhat underrated from a striking standpoint, just because of her lack of power. Uh, Hill has exceptional volume and that volume always leads to close fights. So Loopy really needs to get inside a lot easier said than done. And she needs to test Angela Hill's takedown defense. It has improved over the years. I still don't think she's going to be able to stop all the takedowns. I think one takedown around is uh, not safe, but I I think it's like a a decent floor for Loopy Godinez. The issue is at 9,200, what happens if this goes the distance and she doesn't have the best success? Like, uh, I don't foresee her getting eight out of eight like she did against Ariana Carnalosi. I am picking Lupi Godinez just because I think she's the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. She has decent hands in that wrestling in her past performance. Man, was it a breakout performance? She looked exceptional. I said to you uh, when we were watching that fight, I was like, man, it's almost if she could do this to other people, it's like she could be a champ. You know what I mean? It's like what Carla Esparza should be doing to everybody. And uh For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think that this is a massive step up of competition, especially because Angela Hill is a notable name. Um, the volume and the fact that Hill has fought many fighters similar to Lupe Godinez is going to make me get exposure to the underdog, Angela Hill. It's a fight I'm circling. I'm picking Lupe Godinez. I think the winner of this fight has some decent uh, upside. Um, but like, you know, the, the one issue is where I look at Lupe Godinez's performance against Loma Lupumi. And, you know, she went five of 12 in the takedown department. And you're like, wow, five takedowns. She must have killed it with her score. She only scored 85. And 85 is not going to cut it at 9,200. 
I'm going to say that Loopy is a strong play this week, but be careful. Don't go overweight on the exposure. Um, I, I think a, on a week like this, there are plenty of 9,000 appealing options and uh, I'll, I'll have spread out exposure, but I'm picking Loopy to win. Chad brings up the point. He says, uh, does it mean anything that both camps agree to move the fight up? Seems like preparation routine would make that really difficult for most fighters. This fight was supposed to initially take place in October. Uh, Angela Hill does a lot of her training in San Diego, which mm-hmm. probably plays a little bit into it. And uh, you know, here's the other thing. You tell fighters, hey, you can get paid two months before you're supposed to. Get some motivation. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just be awesome about it. Like, <laughs> real talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not I, I don't really think that it's you know a red flag. Um I it's 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 quite odd, but I understand and I think it's mainly due to you know just trying to get as many California fighters on the card. And uh you know, San Diego definitely plays a role because this is a weak card. So that's why you got you know Marlon Vera, Dominic Cruz, Cali guys, um, you got Angel Hill, you got some other California-based fighters as well. So um, I, I think it was strategic. It was a smart move by the UFC and, uh, you know, even Cynthia Calvillo. So we're talking about, you know, just, just the area and, and trying to get, you know, especially when you're trying to sell tickets, like and, when I looked and, at this, I thought yeah. it was an apex card. It, it very well could be a situation that they felt maybe Angela Hill could move some tickets in that building. I mean, look, it's, it's the reality of it. I mean, look, I'm the same way with you. When I saw this card, I thought it was an apex card. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it was in San Diego. Cause I interviewed Tyson Nam. But I was like, man, like when then we look at the fight card on paper, you're like, man, it kind of looks like an Apex card. That don't look like a car that we're trying to sell tickets to get people to get into the building. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird what cards are, you know, the level of of the UFC in 2022. It's just it's it's an odd thing. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup between uh, Martin and Lucas. Martin to 8900. Lucas is 7300. Pete, what's your take? This is such, I'm not, I'm not in love with this, with this fight at all. I, I really like uh, Martin Boudet if I have to pick somebody. Um, but in general, I just feel like this is a sloppy fight, like just a very sloppy fight where both fighters are pretty similar. Um, you know, Martin Boudet, decent striking, decent aggression. I can see this playing out a lot in the cage. I'm going to be getting exposure to both fighters just because it's heavyweight and, uh, whether it's due to fatigue or landing a big shot, oftentimes we see this go, you know, inside the distance. So it finishes inside the distance, but every now and then we get one of these sloppy heavyweight fights where they're just leaning against each other. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Um, I, you know, I might have to check and monitor ownership. Uh, if it's going to be extremely popular, I'll probably go elsewhere. Um, for the <laughs> most part, I'll be neutral, but this is a, a fight where I'm just going to pick Martin Boudet and, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't really enjoy this fight, if I'm being honest. So you don't want a 46% Martin Boudet? Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah, I'm probably going to be a lot lighter than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, that's that's a little crazy. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely out there. Uh, move over to the next matchup, a matchup we broke down a couple of weeks ago, Cynthia Calvillo and Nia Nunez. The fight was ultimately canceled. I figured it was either weigh-in day or fight day. Um, Nia Nunez had come down sick, uh, so the fight did not happen here. 7,900 for Nia Nunez, 8,300 for Cynthia Calvillo. The biggest, uh, I guess, talking point for me when it comes to Nia Nunez that really kind of surprised me, she has not parted ways with ATT while that's her wife has. And that's, that's a, like, like it, that just made me think about, like, so obviously, you know, Amanda had been in camp the last, you know, six, eight weeks. So she was basically in camp at the same time. Like, well, how is this working? Like, were you at your at at, at Team Nunez gym? And then it's like, see, honey, I'm going over to ATT now. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't understand the dynamic, but I will tell you that, you know, it's being a part of ATT. If you still are a part of it, it's going to prepare you like no other. Like, you know, the the level of competition inside the gym is fantastic. The, the coaching staff is great. You've got phenomenal wrestling, phenomenal jujitsu, great striking. Um, you just have so many good training partners where a lot of fighters that kind of bounce around, you know, like a Cynthia Calvillo, they're, they're looking for an American top team. And guess what? There are very rare gyms out there similar to American top team. Um, an interesting fight because Calvillo, if she goes out there with the correct game plan, could 
emulate what uh, Mackenzie Dern in her, did in uh, Nina Ansaroff's previous performance. You know, a simple takedown, work towards uh, work towards a submission finish, and that's what Cynthia Calvillo was so so good at early within her career. And you start to look towards improving your your striking over the years, and you get away from what you what brought you to the dance. That's my worry here. And Nina Ansaroff showing you know, decent level of getting back to her feet and even preventing some takedowns against Tatiana Suarez is where I'm like, okay, um, maybe it's in there. She defended nine takedowns against Tatiana Suarez, eight against Claudia Gadelia, 10 against Randa Marcos. I'm going to be leading in uh, Nina. I keep calling her Ansaroff, uh, Nina Nunez's direction. And uh, I don't like it. I don't love it. But it's it's a fight where I'm going to just be you know sprinkling her in some of my lineups. If Cynthia Calvillo goes out there and subs her in two rounds, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not planting a flag with this fight, but I will be picking Nina Nunes. So what you're saying is you'd rather take American Top Team over Syndicate MMA? <laughs> I think I think I think we know where I lie with that. <laughs> yes. Just got those. Just just throwing the nugget out there. Uh, I think we know exactly where my my opinion on that issue. For, and for those who are not aware, uh, Cynthia, she does majority of her training now at Syndicate MMA. Uh, she's she's kind of like a lot of fighters um, that are in the UFC now, where they're essentially they're splitting their camp between the UFC PI and some other gym in Vegas. That's how a lot a lot of fighters are doing it now. And, yeah. and, and look, it's obviously a lot of fighters that either go to Extreme Couture or go to Syndicate, mostly uh, going to Extreme Couture. But uh, because of the advantages of having the PI, a lot of fighters have gone there. And uh, yeah, this is one of those fights. In terms of GPPP, I just think I'll be I'll be I'll be less in the field on. I think we found my new name. I'm going to change my my username to GPPP. Um, that I think. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a little light on this just because I think it's going to go the distance. Um, if a finish occurs, I would think it's a Cynthia Calvillo submission. Mm-hmm. But who the heck knows? Because Amanda Nunes, I doubted her against Juliana Pena. And, I, you know, it was a donkey call. And I admit it. Nina could be better than ever right now. Or she could not be because she's working with mm-hmm. an America top team and not specifically just with uh, Amanda. So we shall see. It's a lean towards Nunes. And uh, looking at what we have as an ownership, I, I wouldn't be under the weight uh, under the uh, field with what we're seeing right now for Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, next up, we got a match between Gabriel Benitez and Charlie Ontiveros, ninety three hundred for Gabriel, sixty nine hundred for Charlie. Okay, don't be shocked if Charlie Ontiveros knocks out Gabriel Benitez. That's all I'm going to say because um, the durability of Gabriel Benitez is always in question. Um, and for mm-hmm. a long part of his career, it wasn't. And the, the one thing I will say is he's fought better competition and he's a proven dog where he can go out there and fight bell to bell. Even if he's having a bad round, he can come from behind and he can work towards getting a finish. Um, he has a sneaky submission skill set as well. A very, very good guillotine doesn't go to the takedown well, which I think is the easiest path to victory against Charlie Ontiveros. He did it one time against Humberto Bondanai, and that worked out great. But he's usually the better striker, and he can be the better striker here against Charlie Ontiveros. The thing with Charlie Ontiveros is he's so dynamic, and he comes from a karate background. So obviously you already know that I'm going to be loving getting to some exposure <laughs> of Charlie Ontiveros just because of that lead leg, that lead leg sidekick, that lead leg axe kick. Um, he knocked Steve Garcia down twice and had him hurt on multiple occasions as well. And uh, when he's the hammer, he's fine, but he might be the worst rusty nail out there where if you pressure him or you throw anything at him, he's going to crumble and his durability is terrible. So um, I'm, I'm making a decent amount of my lineups with Charlie Ontiveros because I don't think that, you know, not so often do we have a 6,000 fighter that could break the slate. I think that this is a week where people need to get some exposure there. But with all that being said, Gabriel Benitez could walk right through Charlie Ontiveros and make this look pretty easy. So I know I'm, I'm kind of saying that Ontiveros has a great skill set to win. I just think that he's, you know, Gabriel Benitez isn't as reckless as Steve Garcia. Garcia is so reckless where it left a lot of openings for Charlie Ontiveros to capitalize on. I don't think Gabriel Benitez is going to do the same. So I'm picking Gabriel Benitez at 9,300, but I, I think this fight breaks the slate one, one side or the other. 
Next up, we got a flyweight matchup between Ode Osborne and Tyson Nam. Ode Osborne, 8,800, 7,400 for Tyson Nam. I talked to Tyson Nam about, uh, let's say about two, two and a half weeks ago at this point. First fight in 19 months. He's had uh, several injuries that have ultimately led to why it's taken him this long to get back into the cage. He was supposed to have uh, a couple of matchups that ultimately did not come together here. And, uh, you know, stylistically, I think, Pete, this should be a fun fight. I think it's a fight that should play out on the feet. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier on the show as a cash play, there were some fighters I liked maybe a little more in cash than Dominic Cruz. Tyson Nam is one of them. I don't hate Tyson Nam except for his lack of volume. That's the only thing that I don't really like. And, you know, I, I can back it up by saying that he has thrown a lot, but his accuracy hasn't been the best. He threw 193 strikes against the Matt Schnell. He landed 58, uh, threw 153 at Kai Carr, France landed 50. Threw 170 at Sergio Pettis, man, that was a long time ago, uh, landed 40. He's so capable of spoiling anybody and, and just, you know, being an underdog that breaks the slate because of that massive power in that right hand. And uh, I always can recall back in the day when Eduardo Dantes was looking to stay, stay active and took a fight outside the UFC against Tyson, outside Bellator, and uh, – took a fight against Tyson Nam and Tyson Nam knocked them out. And I was like, who the hell is this Tyson Nam guy? Because I held Eduardo Dantes in such high regard. So as far as 7,000, you know, fighters that can break the slate, I'm probably going to be a little bit aggressive on Tyson Nam just because I think Ode's very good. But from what I'm seeing on tape, the way he holds his hands, the way that, yes, he has head movement and he's long and he's dangerous. I think, a, a, a you know, a right hand from Tyson Nam is extremely live to knock out Ode Osborne. Um, this is a fight where I'm going to be getting to some ownership. I do think that a decision can occur um, where Ode Osborne just outpoints Tyson Nam. But I'm telling you, man, Tyson Nam, you cannot count him out. He could get knocked out this weekend because he's old now. But I, I'm, I, he's always capable of uh, ruining a parlay and upsetting a, a big favorite. You're calling Tyson Nam old? Well, not old, older. It's for the division. He's light, you know. Yeah, he's 38 years old. He's still younger than me. Yeah, no, I mean, he's not old, but like for the division, you know, certain you could be 45, 50 fighting at heavyweight and light heavyweight. Like to be a lighter weight class guy and be approaching 40 is a rarity. He's been, he's been around a long time. It's funny you mentioned about that. Eduardo Dantas, that was like one of the first big stories I broke. Was I got yeah. like the first interview with Tyson Nam because for those who are not aware, then there was a contract issue with Bellator and Tyson Nam was trying to get fights and Bellator was blocking it. And yeah, yep. it was, uh, it, it was, uh, it was not a great time. It, it should have been a great time in Tyson Nam's career, but there was just a lot of things behind the, the scenes that weren't going well for him. Of course, you hear me talking about the ownership projections that we have for Saturday's UFC San Diego. And when you want to get access to those ownership projections and so much more, you got to sign up for a Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass. Includes everything we have over there at Stochastic.com. From player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, our premium Discord channel, and so much more. And we have got an offer. If you are a new user of Stochastic Plus, as you can save 50% off your first week of any Stochastic Plus pass, all you got to do is click the link in the video description below to activate the offer, or you can head over to our join page at stochastic.com. Use that promo code MMA Strategy Show, all caps, one word, MMA Strategy Show for 50% off your first week of any weekly package. So if you want to play MMA DFS, sign up for the MMA weekly pass. And for new users only, you can get 50% off your first week. And of course, a fancy cruncher is something you would need to add to your account. I highly recommend uh, adding fancy cruncher to your account. And of course, when you hit that, that promo code, I let the people at Stochastic know you heard about us right here on the MMA Strategy Show. And we appreciate everyone that has taken advantage of that code since we were running that promo code. It does uh, truly does help us out a lot over here with the MMA Strategy Show. Uh, next up, we got another match that we were supposed to have last week. Josh Quinlan, Jason Witt. This week, salaries are a little different, a little more pricey nah. to get to Josh Quinlan this week. 9100 7,100 for Jason Witt. Of course, uh, this fight uh, was ultimately canceled by the Nevada State Athletic Commission due to uh, findings in a drug test. 
Jeff Novitsky came out and said, you saw it, it has no issues with it. California's going to allow the fight to happen here. Um, what, what are it's you laughing circus. about over there, bro? It's just what such are- a circus. It's, it's, it's a circus. Dude, um, like, the, like if Nevada says, hey, we get, we want to look some more of this drug test before we license you to fight. But you know what? Like, look, you know, some people in the DFS industry might yeah. say we love rostering cheaters. Yeah, I, it's pretty terrible. But I mean, seriously, something's up with with Quinlan. And, uh, you know, he paid the price for it. Obviously, it's serving suspension for PEDs, but still got some picograms or whatever of course through those veins and, yeah he uh, i mean like i've interviewed josh before yeah um a- after his contender series fight last year and the positive news came out he had a lengthy post where he flat admitted he did it <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna deny it i mean i mean i guess people could have you, have I mean, you yeah, not followed like, this sport like seriously uh, have you not followed failed drug yeah, tests listen you you lose so much credibility when you do not own up to it like it's you know what I mean? Like, come on now. Look, look, if you if you did a case study of a hundred failed drug tests in MMA, how many of them you think admitted they took the banned substance? Yeah, I mean, ten percent. I bet. I don't know. It's weird. I, I feel like we don't hear about it too often. We have heard about it a lot, but um. Well, I think the thing is now in the UFC, you know, you're getting drug tested at any waking moment like i don't know kamar usman put it on his instagram yeah. uh today saying hey guys you know my whereabouts do you really need to wake me up at five o'clock in the morning yeah you know I feel, it's i uh, bro i feel bad for these you saw drug testers they're just working for the man bro they're working yeah. for the man but like do you want to be that guy that goes and not like could you imagine you go knock on who would be a scary guy you would not want francis like, and <laughs> Dude, could you imagine waking up Francis and gone at five o'clock in the morning? Do you have a death wish? Yeah, right. I mean, you got a job to do, right? And uh, some- no, 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 bro, bro, bro. No, if I'm working your side, Pete, you're my boss, and you go, hey, Jason, I need you to see Francis and gone at five a.m. tomorrow morning. I go, oh hell, no, I'm not. You go <laughs> you put, see him. You put in your notice right then and there. <laughs> I go. I will wait till nine o'clock in the morning to go see him. Yeah, I got COVID. I, mean, I got COVID, boss. I'm not coming in. <laughs> I'm sick today. It's not good. I can't make it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you imagine waking up the Diaz brothers at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, no, that's something I'd worry about. Um, just from you know, do, do you do you start going down up. their Instagram? They're already up, Jason. It's five. That's too <laughs> no. early for those boys. They're already no. up. What if you went on like on on said fighters Instagram and you knew they loved guns? Would you be scared to knock on that door at five a.m.? I ain't scared to knock on anybody's door. You might be scared, Mr. Tampa Bay Buccaneer reporter over there, but I ain't scared to knock on anybody's door. Um, yeah, Dude, I don't want to knock on someone's door at 10 o'clock in the morning. I hate when these fools come to my house trying to sell <laughs> whatever goddamn thing they're trying to sell me. God uh, bless security cameras that I can talk to you through a microphone. Yeah. I mean, God bless it. Yeah. Anyways. Hold on. You don't have a security said, camera? What? 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 What Stone Age are you living in? With, with, with all that being said, Josh Quinlan going to be one of my most exposed fighters on the slate. I think that he's uh, extremely live to knock out Jason Witt. Now, I think his take down the fence is a little skeptical, a little you know inconsistent, and that is Jason Witt's best path to victory. Mm-hmm. It's just in order to take him down, he has to absorb some, some shots, and I don't necessarily think that he can because Josh Quinlan – is a knockout monster. And that's why the UFC, despite popping, they still want him in there. I'm surprised at how many people pop and still have a job come Monday. Uh, but Josh Quinlan, they want to see what he's made of. And he looks like a very, very dangerous knockout threat within this division. Um, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But it's the wrestling where I'm a little worried just because Jason Witt's a very high, high-level high wrestler. Like he really is. It's just, I don't think his chin's there. Even if he lands five takedowns, at any moment, one shot from Quinlan from the jaws of defeat lands. I think he knocks out Jason Witt. So Quinlan is going to be my most exposed fighter. With that being said, Jason Witt, as far as takedown upside, he's kind of in that Lupita Godinez category where like, yeah, they have t- high upside with the takedowns, but just be careful. So something I want to read to you <laughs> okay. that Josh, Josh Quinlan said 
following the news of his positive drug test back in October last year, just to get your take from a fire's perspective. Okay. Goes to my friends, family, and fans. I am who I am. I strive to be authentic and genuine in my life's pursuits and what with the people around me. Mm-hmm. I did not try to hide my shortcomings. I take full responsibility for my actions and decisions I've made. Martial arts has blessed me with so much. And I responded by going astray in the pursuit to be great success in life. Doesn't carry any value. If you compromise your morals and values to get there, I was trying to be content with this within effort. I put forth knowing I did it with the energy. God blessed me with. We are powerful beyond measure and a new creation every day. I will be grateful for the life that unfolds oh knowing I am walking with Christ. I'm not done yet. Okay, bro. Jason, I'm going to. No, there, there's a part I want to get. There's a part I want to get to. Okay. It's the next part. I apologize to my opponents that feel I have an unfair advantage in the cage. I apologize to the people that have looked at me for an example and inspiration. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a little cheater and I don't respect them at all. And that's that's basically it. Zero respect. But, but the, the reason the reason I brought that up is I think that there will be people that are going to be looking at him on Saturday going was potentially things that he was he took in his body a product of why he had such a great performance. Hey, if it is Jason Witt, bring me to the promised land because I'm going to be having some lineups with him. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when people are searching for some other substances to, you know, elevate their performance. Uh, it's a lack of confidence a lot of times. So maybe he's more humanized without it. And I don't know. I can't really tell you if that, you know, he has power, but maybe that power was a result of the banned substance, not to not a hundred percent, but, uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely helped him throughout his career. Love in the comments. Uh, one person saying Pete, the heat is the security camera. And then the next comment is, I think fires would be more scared of Pete Sr. knocking on their door. That's right. My boy, Jesse. What's <laughs> up, Jesse? And Jesse knows. Jesse knows my pops. So, yep, that is the truth. You definitely don't want uh, Mr. Rogers <laughs> knocking on your door. We got a decent amount of people in here. We appreciate you guys. Again, a low-level card, but you guys keep coming back week after week. If you guys could do us a favor, hit that like button. Let's get it over 175 this week. Uh, 175 would be a good number. Our first five of the night is going to be Yusuf Salal take on Demond Blackshear a two hundred for Yusuf Salal eight thousand for Blackshear Yusuf Salal finally coming down to one thirty five. This is something that he had. Um, I remember I want to say man a year ago he told me he was going to go down thirty five, but he just kept getting all opportunities at forty five. So um, you know, it's just see what he looks here at thirty five and, and how he can look here and. Man, hey, say this, man. If if he can really utilize those takedowns, this could be a pivotal matchup in terms of GPP lineups. I think that this is an interesting fight. And the reason is because Yusuf Zalal has shown a lot inside the octagon against some pretty stiff competition. Uh, yeah, he's three and three inside the UFC, but we have Damon Blackshear, who is a very talented wrestler, a very talented wrestler. Um, and that seems to be Yusuf Zalal's Achilles heel. Yeah, he's good offensively with his takedowns. But defensively, I do think he can get controlled and it takes away from his best skill set. His best skill set is on the feet with some dynamic movement. Um, incorporating takedowns is an interesting you know, wrinkle that he's kind of developed uh, throughout the past couple of years. I mean, he attempted 17 takedowns against Sean Woodson, landed only two of them. But I think that was matchup dependent because of the length of Sean Woodson. Um I'm going to be picking Yusef Salal here, but as far as underdogs, when I talk about takedown upside, Damon Blackshear is pretty good, and he has very, very good takedowns, uh, former champ as well. So we're talking about a high-level fighter. Um, I do think that there is some, you know, a, a big difference within their striking. I think Yusef is going to be the better striker of the two. It comes down to the strength, and the fact Yusef has competed at featherweight makes me want to pick him just ever so slightly and lean in his direction. But I mean, 8,200, 8,000 fight. We talk about it each week. It sneaks into the optimal lineup. And uh, you talk about an underdog with takedown upside. It's hard not to get some exposure to, to uh, DeMond Blackshear. Let's get uh, into our straight up fight picks here. Not DFS related. Let's start with that first fight of the night. Uh, give me use of Zalal. Yeah, I'm going Zalal. Uh, Quinlan and Witt. Uh, I, uh, 
right now to me it's Josh Quinlan more just you know Jason Witch just things just have not gone well for him. Yeah, it's a Quinlan pick. Uh, the next up matchup, Ode Osborne, Tyson Nam. I will go with my first underdog of the night. Give me Tyson Nam. Okay. Uh, I can see it happening. I definitely can see it happening. I'm still going to go with Osborne, though. Gabriel Benitez, Charlie Ontiveros. I will go Benitez. I will as well, Benitez. Give me underdog number two and Nina Nunez. Yeah, I'm going to go Nina Nunez. Uh, then I'll go Martin Boudet. Martin Boudet. Lupita Godinez. Godinez. I, I know we're both on Bruno so well. I don't even think Absolutely. I have to ask you there. Yep. Uh, underdog number three, Priscilla Cachoeira. Cachoeira for me. Underdog number four, Devin Clark. Okay, I'm going to go Devin Clark. Uh, then then the uh, the underdog train uh, has come to a screeching halt. Uh, it, gives, it gives me uh, Jasmine um, to win there in the battle of, of Jasmine versus Jasmine. Yeah, I'm going to go Jargui. Uh, David Onama. Onama. And I will go Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera. Uh, we'll get to uh, Sam's questions here. Uh, top two cash. Top two cash. I'm going to go with uh, Marlon Vera just because of the price. And then I'm going to go with Bruno Silva. I was like, I was like, is he not going to say Bruno Silva? Yeah, no, nah, I'm going to go Bruno Silva. <laughs> uh, top two GPPs. It's tough. Uh, as far as GPP fights, I'm going to go Gabriel Benitez against Charlie Ontiveros. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say the Nate Lamware, David Onama. That was really sticking out okay. to me. Uh, top two underdogs. Top two underdogs. Priscilla Cachoeira is going to be underdog number one. Underdog number two. Going to be Devin Clark for me. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Uh, favorite inside the distance. Bruno Silva. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, top leverage place. Ariana Lipsky. Uh, Charlie Ontiveros. Angela Hill. Uh, I'm looking at uh, ownership. Maybe see someone that you not mentioned. Um But Nate Landwehr. Yeah, that's a good one. Really good leverage play. I mean, I like David O'Neill to win, but just looking at it from an ownership perspective. That's a good one. Uh, uh, top optimal place. Uh, it's got to be the main event. Yeah, that's where it starts for me. Yeah, I was thinking. I mean, there is a there is a world where the, the main event doesn't make it into the optimal lineup, but I, I think it's over 60% that it's in. Top dart plays. Dart throw for me is going to be Tyson Nam just from a right hand. And Would you throw Charlie, Charlie Ontiveros, yeah. Uh, favorite three to four parlays. Oh, buddy. Um, I mean, at the top of the ticket would be Bruno Silva for me. Yeah. Um, I, if I was going to – I wouldn't go four. I would, I would go three. The other two, I would probably go – I'd probably put Marlon Barra because he's at the end of the night and you could cash out if you need to. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then I probably would target third one's a little tricky, right? It might be yeah. the I'm, I might actually put a prop out, out there and it might be the under one and a half for the Gabriel Benitez and the Charlie Ontiveros. I just don't see that going the distance. And Sam says going for violence this week. So his over under is nine and a half, says if house wins. That's Tyler Shuey. Um, nine and a half, I Samuel, I think is a big number. Um, I, w- I would go under on that one. Yeah, I'm saying under on that. And I think they adjusted their bet, but I, I do think that they have an agreement of Tyler and uh and yeah, Sam. I don't I don't know if Sam ever took it, but I, I said to be fair, if he drops it to seven and a half, I'll take the under. But if uh if oh, wow. he wins in the over hits, uh I'll do a Shuey on stream. But if I win in the under hits, then he has to gift five subs to the chat. So that there we way go. everyone wins. There awesome, we go. Awesome. Of course, uh, Pee Wee back here on Saturday for a live for lock as Greg will be filling in for me. As I mentioned, 
Uh, I will do office hours on Saturday morning, probably probably around 11 uh, a.m. Eastern time. So uh, you got any questions for me, I'll be sure to line those up. Of course, uh, if you're watching this video after the fact, you can leave a uh, comment in the comment section. Myself and Pete will definitely get back to you with that. So that is going to do it for this edition of the uh, stochastic.com. <laughs> almost, almost, almost said that A word. Almost. Almost, brother. <laughs> I got the A. Oh, no, no, no. Slow it down, yeah. Jay. Slow it down. Nope, yeah. Did not quite get there, but appreciate yeah. everyone tuning in here for the stochastic.com MMA strategy show. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Prize Picks. And uh, I will talk to you next week right here on stochastic.com. Have a great afternoon, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.